Not a matter of if but when crisis could rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real-world crisis or a major controversy. My crisis squad and I seek solutions. We also turn to trailblazers for game-changing inspiration. Gretchen Carlson is with me to dive into a topic that could or does affect millions of people. You may know Gretchen as the national news anchor, often credited with paving the way for the Me Too movement by taking on the big boss at Fox News in 2016. In recent years, she launched a new course as an advocate for safer workplaces by eliminating silencing mechanisms that keep toxic behavior secret. With her nonprofit organization, Lift Our Voices, Gretchen was instrumental in passing two bipartisan laws in 2022. She's here for the case file I call NDA busting. Gretchen, more bills on the horizon, but first let's get into some definitions just so people are really clear. What are we talking about when we say NDAs and forced arbitration? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I think most people out there have heard of an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. They have a, a basic sense that that means if you sign a document that has an NDA in it, you can't talk about anything. Here's the problem. NDAs have become pervasive to cover up all things that happen to you, for example, in the workplace, not just trade secrets and proprietary information, which was the original intent of an NDA. And I get that. Like companies, if you work for Pepsi, you shouldn't be able to walk across the street and give Coca-Cola the secret recipe to Pepsi. What's happened over the last four decades is that companies have made the NDAs much more expansive so that on your first day of work, one third of all Americans sign an NDA that basically says, if anything happens to me here, I can never, ever talk about it. If I witness anything that happens to anyone else, I can never, ever talk about it. It's crazy because you're basically signing away your own truth and your voice before something's happened to you. Right. So you get that stack of paper when you get a new job. No one really reads through it. I'm a lawyer and I don't even read through those things. Exactly. And you sign your life away, really. Exactly. So that's NDAs. And that's why uh, I'm fighting both of those at my nonprofit, Lift Our Voices, meaning that the second evil other than NDAs is something called forced arbitration. Most people, they get glazed over when, when you say those two words. They have no idea what we're talking about. So again, this is how on your first day of work, you sign a document that says, if anything happens to me, like harassment, discrimination, um, disability, whatever it is, I am giving up my rights to go to a jury trial. Instead, on my first day of work, I am agreeing to go to this secret chamber called arbitration. Now, arbitration, originally the intent was a good idea. It was for small business disputes so that you wouldn't clog the court system with a $300 case that, you know, my neighbor knocked down my fence. Right, so and court trials are expensive. Going to court is expensive. And there's not enough judges like there just simply isn't for the amount of cases. If you've ever done jury duty, you know that they tell you they settle like 95 percent of the cases before they even get to the to the jury room. So this was a way uh, to to unclog the court system. What's happened over the last four decades in our workplaces is that companies have taken full advantage of arbitration and they're abusing the original intent and they are adjudicating human rights violations with this secret process called arbitration. So if you face race discrimination, gender, harassment, age, disability, LGBTQ+, 
more than likely you have a forced arbitration clause because by next year, 84% of all American workers will have them in their contracts. It's scary. You then come to complain. HR says, oh, phew, you got a forced arbitration clause. No one's ever going to know about this because you get so- sent to this secret chamber. Yeah, I love that term you use, secret chamber. So let's go back to 2022 when you had a long fight. It was a long time going and you fought and helped to get past two very substantial laws. Tell us about those. And they're out there in action right now, right? They are. And we need to educate people about their rights. So I had a forced arbitration clause and an NDA in my last contract at Fox News before I sued the former chairman and CEO, Roger Ailes, for harassment back in 2016. And when I started meeting with my lawyers, they looked at my contract and they said, we got really bad news for you. And I said, what? And they said, you have a forced arbitration clause. No one's ever going to know about your case. So my lawyers strategically were able to sue Roger Ailes personally to try to make my case public and to try to circumvent my forced arbitration clause. So this became my fight because I heard from thousands of Americans after my case saying that the same thing that happened to them when something bad happened to them at work, they were forced into the secret chamber and they never ever worked again. And that is what I thought was criminal. Why are we penalizing people simply because they have the courage to come forward and then we we push them into secrecy and we fire them and we protect the predator because nobody knows about it. So they get to keep working. So I started walking the halls of Congress Um, I'm going to make a really short explanation of a five-year slog, which was, you know, I had to bring both parties together, which is unbelievable in the most hyper-political time of our generation. But I was able to do it to pass the ending forced arbitration of Sexual Assault and Sexual Harassment Act. That was March 2nd of 2022 when I was with the president of the United States and my family and survivors, and he signed that into law. This means that if you have a forced arbitration clause in your contract, and you probably do, You do not have to abide by it if you face any kind of sexual misconduct at work, even if you signed this thing 15 years ago or you signed it yesterday. As long as you have not come forward yet about your claim, you do not have to abide by that. This is this is the biggest labor law change in the last one. Well, and it's it's huge. And it's and I don't know that people really understand how game changing this is, because what you did was you didn't just abolish NDAs because for trade secrets and other legitimate reasons, there is a purpose there. There's really a competitive purpose. But you were saying and you were true to what you were victimized in your former workplace. You wanted to eradicate that behavior or at least those NDAs and forced arbitration in those kinds of bad behavior situations. Yes. But then so that was the first law that only dealt with forced arbitration. But since I had already built this bipartisan coalition, my whole strategy from the beginning was to take a bite out of the apple. A lot of people wanted me to go in and just like get every protected class included, which I would have loved. That's our mission at Lift Our Voices. But I knew it would never pass. So once I had built this coalition and we passed the first law, I immediately went back to the well and said, "Okay, now what about NDAs? We did forced arbitration for sexual misconduct. So within eight months, we were able to introduce the Speak Out Act, which gets rid of NDAs for sexual misconduct. And the president signed that into law in December of 2022. So last year, we had two of the biggest labor law changes in the last 100 years. But we're we're far from done. You know, a lot of people said to me, oh, well, now you're done. And I was like, no, 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 no. You know, our mission at Lift Our Voices is to fight for every protected class. So then we got into a room with the same coalition and said, "Okay, what protected class will you be willing to get together on next? And they decided on age discrimination. So 
we introduced another bipartisan bill in June of this year to get rid of forced arbitration for age discrimination as well. This will be a huge game changer too, because basically you can face age discrimination when you turn 40. So you're working most of your years in that bucket of a protected class. And I guarantee you, all those cases are going to forced arbitration and those people are getting pushed out simply because they're 40, 50, 60. Or right. Even... And in that age bracket, 40, 50 and beyond, I mean, especially 40s into 50s, that's your peak. I mean, you're experienced. You're not a rookie anymore in any industry that should be really valued. Those decades should be really valued by corporations and other organizations. Yes. But we all know that, you know, they can come up with some other excuse about why they want to trim the fat of the company or whatever it is. So this bill, uh, if we can get it passed, and we're very hopeful that we can, this will then, you know, be one more notch in the belt of of adding protected classes to our mission. We have on record from the lead Republican who um, who is Lindsey Graham. And a lot of people are going to listen to this and say, oh, my gosh. Uh, I can't believe the senator from South Carolina is on your side with these issues, but he is. And I and uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, who's the Democratic senator from New York, they have really been leaders and champions with me on this fight. I always say, you know, a vote is a vote is a vote. And, and you have to try and get the people that you can, even if you might not agree with them on anything else. You know, and I, I joke with both of them. This is probably the only thing you guys agree on. So it right, and you made it happen, Gretchen. And hey, let's be real, right? Uh, you're a very real person. Both of them are in the age brackets we're talking about. <laughs> so I yeah. mean, they they have a vested interest. They are the American people when it comes to age. It is, but who who in Congress does not fit into that bucket? Um, True, most of them are, are old white guys. But but they were also my champions on the sexual misconduct laws. They were the ones who stepped up to the plate first and came together, and. You know, so I have learned a lot in this process. I sort of feel like I'm a half lawyer now, half legislator, but uh, or half lobbyist. But I, I, I also have learned that you never know who you might get. And so uh, I never snubbed a meeting or said, I'm not going to try and go and, and pursue this particular politician. Um, and, and, you know, look, we've had we've had massive success, but there's still so much work to do. So that is something that's happening in 2023. What's the time horizon on this Age Discrimination Act? Yeah, so we introduced it in the House and the Senate in June. Uh, as you've noticed, there's, you know, chaos on Capitol Hill in, in the last few weeks and, and no doubt moving forward with the government shutdown and the Speaker of the House issue. So it's number one, it's almost impossible to get a bill passed when there's no chaos. One thing that people should realize when when they're listening to this is that politicians will tell you all the time, oh, I introduced 200 bills during my time in Congress. But if you ask them, how many did you actually pass? The number's probably zero to one. So introducing is really easy. And that's where we are right now on, on the age discrimination. Building the coalitions, getting people to co-sponsor, getting them to actually sign their name on the dotted line to say, I'm behind this. It's tough because they have so many other competing issues that people are trying to get their attention on. And also they have competing forces of people trying to tell them not to do it. So Right. And the other thing is even just getting it to a vote. So, I mean, you build these coalitions, you introduce it. It's great. We want them to do that. But even just getting it to the floor. And I think that's what is really that contrast or kind of a clash that the general public doesn't always understand. And you're in my former professions as 
TV journalists. It, we want things so quickly, but that's just not how our legislative system works. Now, we do want there to be reasoned discussion, but we also don't want there to be a complete slowdown. Are you hopeful that this will at least get to a place in even 2024 where there could be a vote on it? Yeah, you know, it could happen in 2023. What, what I've learned through this process is that all of a sudden, you know, all the people that I'm working with on the Hill will call me or email me and be like, oh my gosh, it's going to the committee next week. You know, so you just, you just don't know. And it's why I always have to kind of be at the ready because uh, I might have to be down in DC where I am a lot these days um, to start really pushing for something again. So, you know, never say never. Um, we we really want to get this done either this year or in 2024 so we can move on to the next group. You know, it's once we can eradicate these silencing mechanisms for all protected classes, we will have a completely different dynamic in our workplaces because people won't be able to cover up bad behavior anymore. And what these clauses and, and uh, you know, NDAs and forced arbitration have allowed companies to do is basically hide their dirty laundry and go out to the public and say how wonderful they are. The reason they can do that is because none of these cases are public. So the general public, it's one of the reasons they were so shocked after my story came to the front, because they were like, wait a minute, I thought women were treated more fairly in the workplace these days. And I thought harassment was a thing of the past. Why did they think that? Because they weren't hearing about any of these cases because they were all going to secrecy. And that is why the general public has to wake up and pay attention to this when they start a new job. Look to see if you have a forced arbitration clause. Look to see how expansive your NDA is. We have to, to make it more commonplace that we push back on these clauses. Similarly to now how paternity leave is more common than it was 10 years ago. If you brought it up 10 years ago, people would probably go, oh, well, we'll go to the next person because well, we don't want to give them paternity leave. Same thing with my issues. The more we ask about these issues, the more we normalize them and create a better, more safe workplace for all of us. You know, I, I'm coming at it from so many different angles, like passing laws is a huge way to change behavior. But also we all have a responsibility to know what we're signing know what we need to be educated on, ask the right questions, because the more of us who do that, the more we normalize it. Right. And I always say a signature means something. So and I, you know, I will admit, even as a licensed attorney, I've signed things that I haven't read every clause, every page. Now, when there is money involved, I really try to. But you're right. It's an individual responsibility. And you're certainly not asking every American to take on the same level of advocacy that you have. We are grateful that you are. But we each do have individual responsibility in this. You know, yeah. while while we're on this, I I am very impressed with what you've done. And I've told you that in the past, Gretchen, when you would come on my radio show. But I recently learned that even coming forward in 2016, your parents were very hesitant, almost didn't want you to. What can you share about that? Because that was that was really poignant when I learned that about you and your family. Yeah. You know, I could tell so few people what was going on with with my life at, at Fox News. Um, I mean, basically, I, I, I feared for my life, quite honestly. So, uh, you know, my, you know, I grew up in Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota, the Minnesota nice thing's real. And, you know, so that kind of falls in line with filing lawsuits <laughs> to a certain extent. You know, um, my parents really didn't want me to have to go to the nth degree. But, you know, it was a really poignant moment about six months before I did it where both my parents 
parents got on the phone with me and um, my mom specifically had just heard all the stuff that was happening and they both, you know, it was very emotional and they both said that they were with me. And that was, you know, that was one of the main reasons that I decided to, to finally jump. Um, and then the real reason that after that getting their blessing was that uh, Fox fired me. You know, I killed myself, as you know, better than anyone to get to the, the pinnacle of my career in journalism and working on the national stage, first at CBS and and then at Fox. And they fired me, which was the ultimate retaliation because I wouldn't acquiesce to what was wanted of me, uh, which was illegal. Which and was illegal. It wasn't like they were asking you to fly to Australia to do a story. These were very <laughs> personal, harassing, illegal yeah. activities that were asked of you. Yeah. And so, you know, when I got fired, um, I that just was the final trigger. You know, I'd been thinking about it for years and and gathering evidence for years, which is also really, really important if somebody's listening right now. Oh my gosh, you know, you gotta you gotta gather evidence and you have to bring it home. You have to keep it safe. You um, you know, you have to tell somebody if you can, if you don't have an NDA when you start your job. Um, you have to consult a lawyer even just for 10 minutes to see if you have a case, to see what your statute of limitations are. I mean, there's so much to don't go to HR right away. My gosh, don't go to HR. Sadly, you, HR it, is rarely your friend when you have a complaint against the company. Yeah, they've done a great job of marketing that they're there for the people. But you have to remember they get their paycheck from the CEO. And they're they're there to protect the company first and foremost. I'm sure there's a lot of wonderful HR executives out there, and I always want to say that because and there definitely are. And I've worked with them with my clients. There definitely are. But you have to understand. You have to know your audience, right? And lawyers get a bad rap, but this is precisely why lawyers are there to interpret the laws. And kudos to your attorneys who found that creative way to sue Roger Ailes personally, because the rest of how the corporate legal world was set up wasn't really allowing for your grievance to be heard properly. Well, yeah, and because I had a forced arbitration clause. And and this is what's happening to millions of people. As I said, by next year, 84% of us will have this. That's crazy. Yeah, and and I don't even know that people realize it, Gretchen. Yeah. And it exploded. So so guess how many people had forced arbitration clauses back in 1991 when I was entering the workplace? Two percent. Wow. Two percent. But what happened in that year was the, the Anita Hill hearings, which ironically were the that was the first story I covered as a journalist. And I think what happened is a lot of companies thought to themselves, oh, gosh, we you know, now we know what sexual harassment is. We got to get on board with this. We have to provide training to our employees. But I, I guarantee you, they also got into private quarters with their general counsel and said, oh my gosh, how do we make sure we don't have an Anita Hill at our company? And that's when they started using forced arbitration at just a rampant rate because they knew that it would cover it up. And people coming into the workplace had no idea what it was, so they just signed the document. And this is how we got to this crisis. Nothing really happens. It is crisis level and nothing happens in a vacuum. No. And, and, and it was stunning to me. Well, first of all, when I filed my case, I didn't realize sexual harassment was still a, an epidemic in our society, precisely because it was being covered up. But then I realized the second epidemic were these silencing mechanisms. And I I needed to pay tribute to all the people who came before me who didn't have a chance to make their case public, who didn't have a chance to have a voice. And, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing at Lift Our Voices. The irony, though, is that I don't own my own story. I am still silenced. So I'm doing all this work for millions of Americans that I will never meet, but I may never own 
my own story to be able to tell it. There's been a movie made about my life. There's been a mini series made about my story and I couldn't participate in them. I can't even tell you if the depictions of me are accurate in the movie, in the miniseries. That's that, what I was going to ask. What did you think about these amazing actors who played you? You can't even share that. I mean, that's... No, I, can say, I can say that it's that I'm so grateful that they did because it really brought the issues to the forefront. And, and five, six, seven years ago, nobody would have been making issues about harassment in the workplace. Can I ask you this, Gretchen? In those depictions, do they have anything totally far off? Well, I can't even tell you that. Wow. But yes, I, I can say yes. And the storyline, Yes. Uh, not necessarily their depictions of me, but but the story. The yeah, story because line. sometimes they had to do they have to do things for the narrative to make it more Hollywood, right? Oh, you have no idea what else they. <laughs> I mean, you have no idea how other people are involved, and you know they want their story to be more amplified, et cetera, et cetera. So, look, it's this is I've gotten past the idea that I may never be able to publicly tell you and everyone else what happened to me for eleven years at Fox. The one thing, two things that my lawyers carved out in my resolution agreement were the ability for me to talk about these issues. And I have taken full advantage of that. In, yes, in, you have. And I, we're I, grateful I, for that, Gretchen. We are. Thank you. And, and the second thing was, I got a public apology. That never happens. That you know, was it, huge. It was huge. That made and headlines it, in such a big way. Yeah. And it was the headline when my resolution happened. And that made me cry because uh, tears were just streaming down my face because the media picked up on the apology. And that is all any survivor wants because it gives you a sense of um, validation. Validation. And You're not crazy. Someone yeah. hears me. All of that. And most people never, ever get it. When you talk to anybody who's been through anything bad at work, that's all they want. Well, and they also want to keep working. Yes. But, you know, so and, and I'm going to say something really, really um just really powerful right now, which is, and this is why it's so tough to solve these issues. Passing two bipartisan laws last year in the most hyper-political time of our generation was easier than changing our culture and the way in which we look at people who have the courage to come forward. That is a huge statement, but it is true because we are so ingrained early on in how we're socialized and how we look at courageous people and people who come forward and say something bad is happening to me, we are socialized to look at that as bad, as we got to penalize that person. Right. So or they're a complainer. Just get yeah. with the program. Or they're a liability, you know, and, oh, we can't hire that person because they brought along this charge before. And all they were doing was saying something bad was happening to them. Changing that is also part of my mission. And it's it's so hard to do that. But one of the things we're coming up with at Lift Our Voices next year is we're going to start rating companies for the first time ever. I love that. So, yes, I, that's what I really wanted to get into in 2024, this corporate rating system. What will that look like? Yeah, so we're we're in the process of putting together the survey. We're going to the, the Russell 3000 companies, so the top 3000 companies in the United States. We're asking them to please fill out the survey. It's very simple. Do you use forced arbitration? Do you use NDAs? And then we will build a, a grading system and we will give them a grade. And first of all, this is going to be an amazing resource for employees because it's the number one question I get when I go out on the speaking tour, which is, how do I know if my company silences me? And there is no resource resource right now for people to, to be able to find that. So this will be on our website at liftourvoices.org. We think you know we're going to link with a lot of other powerful institutions with this. We think that this is going to be a game changer for employees. 
But we also think it's going to be a game changer for companies. And by the way, if you are listening to this right now and you get a survey, please fill it out because we're hoping that this is going to be a subtle push for companies to do the right thing because we bring a tremendous amount of credibility to these issues. And, and if you don't fill out our survey or if you are using these silencing mechanisms, you're going to get a bad grade from us. So we think it's going to be a subtle push to to move companies into the right direction of changing their policies. So like I said, we have to come at this from so many different angles. And we really believe that uh, that this will be a, a changing mechanism, not only for employees to get information, but for companies to finally do the right thing. Right. And that is that individual responsibility. We're talking about the individual person as well as those individual organizations. If they truly are kind of walking the talk, right? That they exactly. will participate. Yeah. Well, there's so Gretchen, much about, yeah, there's so much talk about DEI right now. And so, yes. but I always, I always say nobody's talking about my issues when they talk about DEI. We're the only organization in the world doing this work. So that should say something. Companies don't want us to talk about this. Well, and DEI right now is getting a backlash. And, and as far as I'm concerned, both legally, optically, everything crisis from my crisis lens if we can get this right, you get a lot of the DEI right. I mean, because exactly. what you are fighting for affects everyone, no matter what age, what color, what gender. It doesn't matter if we have these things still in the workplace. So You know what? That, that is so insightful, and I'm so happy that you said that, because that is the heart of the issue. We believe getting rid of these silencing mechanisms is the silver bullet to equity for everyone. It really is. Well... Gretchen, you are an inspiration. Thank you for your insights today. Thank you for fighting this fight for all of us. It is not easy, but you're using, I think, every part of your brain and heart. So we really thank you here at The Crisis Files. And let me just thank you for America. Thank you. Today's Crisis Brief is brought to you by Goff Public. Number one. Do you know what you are signing when you start a new job? Look to see if there's a forced arbitration clause. Number two, understand what your rights are on the laws Gretchen helped to get passed. Number three, take personal responsibility to start asking these questions to normalize legal behavior and open conversations. Prepare and plan before a crisis strikes with Goff Public, an award-winning public relations and public affairs agency. Your best defense is a crisis-ready culture that helps you spot potential issues, act swiftly, and reflects your brand's values while building trust with your audiences. Learn more at GoffPublic.com. Rate and review The Crisis Files on your platform of choice. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com for our archive and special videos. Follow us on YouTube and Instagram at The Crisis Files. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.